this is episode four. I guess this is four. Oh yeah, this is episode four. I was right. And I'm your host, Karthik. Hope you all are safe and healthy. And we are reading Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. So let's get started. We are starting with the chapter titled Slow Down, Think Deeply. He opens by a quote from Alice Walker. I don't know whether you guys have seen the pattern. Um, Ryan opens up each chapter with a quote, which is really nice. And he also, I guess, closes each chapter with really interesting. So it's like a introduction, talks about it, then a summary, which is really nice way to actually like as a reader, I love it. That's why I like how Ryan is actually able to interpret those ideas and is able to put them out. So let's read this quote by Alice Walker. With my sighted eye, I see what's before me. And with my unsighted eye, I see what's hidden. So in this chapter, what um, Ryan is actually trying to say is that, I guess this line actually puts it completely like, head right right hits the nail head i don't think so i'm using it correctly but yeah okay so it goes like this slow down be considerate be aware so what ryan is trying to say in this whole chapter is to actually hold up hold your horses see the stuff around you like you know how some of the meditation gurus tell you that just focus on your breathing or if you're standing on the grass, just feel how the grass feels on your feet. That's what he, Ryan is trying to say, is that slow down, think deeply, notice things around you, like see things which you are not actually seeing, you're actually missing out. And there's a really nice quote here. It says, what is essential is invisible to the eye. Let's read this paragraph from by about, about Epictetus. So Epictetus talked about how the job of a philosopher is to take our impressions, what we see, hear, and think, and put them to the test. He said we needed to hold up our thoughts, examine them, and to make sure we weren't led away, led astray by appearances or missing what couldn't be seen by the naked eye. I guess this kind of connects with which what we talked about in the last chapter. I feel like all of these chapters are interconnected. And, um, you know, in last uh, episode, we talked about that we also have to judge our judgment. And here, what Epictetus is trying to say is sometimes we also have to actually analyze our own impressions. What do we think about something? Is there something which we are missing just because we didn't see it? Because there's on, like infinite amount of stuff which our eyes miss. And that's the only essential part, right? And let's read ahead. We cannot be disturbed by initial appearances. And if we are patient and still, the truth will be revealed to us. That's like really interesting that we have to have the patience to be, like you know how they, a lot of people use the example of muddy water, that you actually have to let the muddy water settle down. You know, then only you'll be able to see through it. I guess that's same with our day-to-day -day life. There are so many situations coming up every day. If we are running our horses a thousand miles per second, we are not letting that mud settle down. I mean, think about it. We are just like going through it. I mean, and here he says, Rogers wrote this, just think, just be quiet and think. It'll make all the difference on the world. Let's see what he has ahead. 
Okay, this is this part I really like. So let's read this one. So we have to do the kind of thinking that 99% of the population is just not doing. And we have to stop doing the destructive thinking that they spend 99% of their time doing. I guess I mentioned this in the last episode that there's two types of thinking, constructive and destructive. 90, and he, this is a really interesting take on that thing, these things. Is that 99% of the population is wasting their 99% of the time doing the destructive thinking. We do not have to do that. We have to actually hold our horses. You gotta think, look around. Everyone's moving at the same pace. Everyone's just thinking about all the stuff. Where are they leading up to? Nowhere. So how, how are we gonna stand out? How are we gonna make a difference? By actually slowing down, right? And let's move ahead. And um, so yeah, here, yeah, oh, yeah. This example is really nice. Now I remember it. So this is an example from um, of a Zen master, Hakuin, of an 18th century. So he would actually give his students some really interesting questions that are really so that you would have to like think really really hard. I'm gonna read the example of these questions. So the first question goes is, what is the sound of one hand clapping? The other one is, what did your face look like before you were born? The next is, does the dog have the Buddha nature? I mean, these are, you would never think about it. Like, what do you think? What's the sound of one hand clap? I mean, and he would actually make his students think about this. So the, the only job of his students were just to think about that question, get the answer. And he said that even if they did not get all the way there, they are stronger for having tried because they focused on one thing. They would actually slow down and think deeply about it. I guess this chapter somewhat touches, I'm going to mention another book about um, from Carl Newport, Deep Work. This is a little bit about that, that you actually have to make your mind, I feel like making your mind still is a bigger, like really important component of um, deep work. If your mind isn't still, you won't be able to do the deep work. And um, he says that suddenly... Unexpectedly, your teeth sink in. Your body will pour with cold sweat. And at that instant, it will all become clear that you will actually get the answer. Like the students, after thinking so many, after like spending so much time on that question, they'll actually realize the answer. And he calls that as Satori, an illuminating insight when the inscrutable is revealed, when an essential truth becomes obvious and inescapable. Let's read this paragraph. So, well, he ran goes like, well, no, one's, no one gets to Saturi going a million miles a minute. No one gets there by focusing on what's obvious or by sticking, which the first thought that pops up into their head. To see what matters, you really have to look. To understand it, you really have to think. It, may, it takes real work to grasp what is invisible to just about everyone else. Let's read this. So much of the distress we feel comes from reacting instinctively instead of acting with conscientious deliberation. Wow, this is a really interesting take. Oh, man. I mean, I can understand like how much, how many times we have created problems in our own mind which didn't even exist. I guess that's the easier way of putting it. That you would actually think about a one thing again and again and again and again and at the end when this thing actually pops up, you realize, wait, so I was thinking for nothing? I mean, 
that didn't even happen. And we are not stopping to put on our glasses and really look. So here Ryan talks about that the choreograph at Twilia Tharp provides an exercise for us to follow. So here it goes like this. Sit alone in a room and let your thoughts go wherever they will. Do this for one minute. Work up to 10 minutes a day of this mindless mental wandering. Then start paying attention to your thoughts to see if a word or a goal materializes. If it doesn't, extend the exercise to 11 minutes, then 12, then 13, until you find the length of time you need to ensure that something interesting will come to mind. The Gaelic phrase for this state of mind is quietness without loneliness. And I've actually like started doing it, but I've started doing it uh, when I go for a run. So I've actually started going for a run. And uh, so whenever I'm running, I, earlier I used to wear headphones. And uh, here I remember um, David Goggins, if you guys know about him, he would say, people ask me, why don't you wear headphones while running? Do you listen to music while running? And David Goggins would say that, what, what are you going to do when you don't have music? You're not going to run? And uh, so I ditched my headphones. It felt weird, but now I actually try to do this. Like I let my mind wander throughout the run. I just like, I don't think about anything specific I'm going to focus on. Just let my mind wander. It has actually helped me focus. Like I felt like during work, I'm actually more focused. I don't know how, but it actually works. And um, he closed the chapter with this. There are answers that must be fished from the depths. And what is fishing but slowing down? being both relaxed and highly attuned to your environment and ultimately catching hold of what lurks below the surface and reeling it in. Which is like really interesting, right? That I, I never thought fishing like that. I've actually never like been fishing because uh, I'm like, uh, I'm a vegetarian, so I've never actually like been fishing. But I know I'm like vegetarian people to also like go for fishing where they just like let the fish back in the water but i've never actually been fishing but i can i, I know what fish i understand the process of fishing and it makes sense that you're sitting there for so long but you're actually so that's same with the life to actually get something important from the depth you actually have to hold on be still like stop stop thinking about all these random stuff just stop let the mind wander empty your mind now, let's move to the next chapter, which is titled, Start Journaling. Everyone has said it, and still, including me, we haven't done it. Again, a quote to open the chapter by Jack London. Keep a notebook, travel with it, eat with it, sleep with it, slap into it every stray thought that flutters up into your brain. Really interesting. Um, and then he talks about, uh, Ryan opens the chapter by talking about Anne Frank and I've actually read Anne Frank's diary but I read it during um, my school my high school so I don't think so I focus it I really want to read it again but um, Ryan quotes Anne here and uh, she says paper has more patience than people which is really true like people are actually I feel like they need someone to talk to but paper is right in front of them and if you let your thoughts out, writing is the best form of thinking. You actually get to think about it and examine it. So here Seneca talks about journaling. He says, "My I examine my entire day. Wait, hold up. Is that Seneca? Yeah, it is Seneca. He's saying that in his one of his letters. So he says, I examine my entire day and go back what I've done and said. 
hiding nothing from myself, passing nothing by. The sleep which follows this self-examination was particularly sweet. Which is a really interesting thing. I always thought journaling was like thinking about the stuff you want to think about. But uh, after reading this chapter, I really understood that thinking is more like journaling is more about analyzing what you did throughout the day. That's a really interesting take. Like I I know Stoicism, uh, Stoics have a routine of journaling where they journal in the morning and they at the end of the day, they analyze their whole day. What did it right? What did they do wrong? And I actually see it helping in getting a better sleep because all the thoughts, all the pressures off your mind. Right. And now you can actually just like go to sleep. You have let it out on the paper. I read it somewhere that if there is something bothering you, like um, you think about it a lot, just write about it. Write about it on a paper. Just keep on writing. And you'll actually feel like you have like laid off that load. And let's see. So here's a nice way to put journaling. Journaling is to silence the barking dogs in your head. And the journals, Ryan says, aren't for the reader. They are for the writer. To slow the mind down, to wage peace with oneself. Journaling is a way to ask tough questions. Where am, where am I standing in my own way? What's the smallest step I can take toward a big thing today? Why am I worked up so about this? What blessings can I count right now? Why do I care so much about impressing people? What is the harder choice I'm avoiding? Do I rule my fears or do they rule me? How will today's difficulties reveal my character? That's really interesting. And I feel like these questions actually help you write because, um, and here I would like to give a shout out. It's given in the book too. Check out the Daily Stoic Journal published by Portfolio because um, a blank paper is actually really scary to most of the people. It is scary to me too. And I heard it, I guess, in a podcast with uh, Ryan only. He was talking with one guest that uh, they said that even writing the date on the top of the paper will get you started if you're like scared of that blank paper looking in front of you and you can't just write. And I feel like the Daily Stoic Journal helps because it actually has a prompt for every day. So you can actually think about the prompt and just focus on answering that prompt. Like these are really good starting questions. Why are you trying to impress everyone? Just think about it and write it down. You'll actually be able to think through your thoughts, like think through what you're actually thinking. And people find some interesting stuff when they actually start writing. So, yep, that's the chapter telling you the importance of journaling. There is no right or wrong way. The point is just to do it, which is really interesting. As they said, that the journals are not for the readers. It's for the writer. It's to actually help you get that load off your mind, right? Let's move on to the next chapter called Cultivate Silence. Opening with a quote from Herman Melville, All profound things and emotions of things are preceded and attended by silence. Silence is the general conservation of the universe. That's really interesting. I personally, this is something where it it, it, it hits home for me. Um, I've always, like, uh, after reading this chapter, I've, analyzed, I've realized that I've always tried to fill up my, fill up the every possible moment of uh, silence with something. Like, I'll, I'll be working, I'll put my songs on. <clears throat> Sometimes it helps focus. But later I realized that <clears throat> I'm sorry. So later I realized that it's actually, you know, I'm actually trying to just fill the void because without the void, my mind starts wandering. And that's not the right way. Rather than controlling, so I'm rather than fixing the, like the problem, I'm actually just curing the symptoms, which doesn't make sense. And um, here he says that by, by from 
composer John Cage that by observing, he says that by observing silence, he told the audience they would finally be able to hear what other people think, which is really interesting that to be a good listener, you should be able to be, you should be comfortable with silence, right? Because if you try to fill every void by speaking up, you're not actually letting the other person have the opportunity to actually speak. And if you're not having letting the other person speak, you are not a good listener. And I personally, I feel like I need a lot of work on that. I This is something I feel like I'm, I'm going to be working on like a long time. And um, okay, let's read ahead. Wherever we are, what we hear is mostly noise. He would say, when we ignore it, it disturbs us. When we listen to it, we find it fascinating. This is a really interesting thing. So when I was reading this chapter, it's I was like, huh. So silence is something it takes time to get used to it. I'm not used to it right now, but I'm trying to get used to it. And um, Brian, throughout the chapter, makes really important, important points that how important silence can be. And he here, let's read this paragraph. So it says, they would rather close their mind than sit there and have to use it. I guess that's what we are doing when we try to fill the void of silence with the noise, with music, with anything. Thought will not work except in silence. Thomas Crayley said, if we want to think better, we need to seize these moments of quiet. We want more revelations, more insights, more breakthroughs or new big ideas. We have to create more room for them. We have to start listening. Okay, let's move ahead. Here, Ryan gives an example that all of these successful people have some hobbies, okay? And uh, some of them were sailing, long-distance cycling, listening quietly to classical music, scuba diving, riding motorcycles. But you know what? All these activities had one thing in common, an absence of voices. They were actually trying to embrace silence. And uh, that quiet is so rare is a sign of its value. Seize it. Which is a really interesting take on it that it's so rare, the silence is, that that's an indication of its value, right? Okay, let's move to the next chapter. Seek Wisdom. Opening by a quote by Democritus. I guess he's a Stoic philosopher too. I am not sure. So the quote goes like this. Imperturable... Okay, I don't know how to say this word. Imperturable wisdom is worth everything. So this chapter actually was about that you should always, at every point of your time, try to gain more and more knowledge. And uh, here uh, Ryan talks about Socrates, that what made Socrates, 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 I don't know, there are like different pronunciation of how do people say Socrates. Socrates? Mm, okay. What made Socrates so wise was that he knew nothing except just the fact of his ignorance. Better still, he was aware of what he did not know and was always willing to be proven wrong. I feel like that's an interesting take that if you want to learn something, you should be ready to actually um, be wrong at a lot of things. Um, I remember Jordan Peterson talked about it. Um, so he says that... Um, Jordan Peterson says that when you are in an argument, when you're trying to... Learn something new, you actually have to unlearn something else. And unlearning something else means that the vision you had, the perspective you had earlier was wrong. 
And that's not a comfortable feeling. And most of the people, that's why they don't like learning because they have to learn that they were wrong before. But you have to actually get comfortable with it. And that's what Ryan was trying to say that Socrates made Socrates so special that he was, aware, he was aware of what he did not know and was always willing to be proven wrong. So he was constantly probing other people's views. Why do you think that? How do you know? What evidence do you have? But what about this or that? I mean, deeply thinking about each and everything which your mind makes a judgment about. The Greek word for wisdom was Sophia, which in Latin becomes Pentia. And why man is when and why man is called Homo sapiens? That was really interesting. Like, I didn't know that. That's why I highlighted it. And so now one would say that how would you develop this skill, right? And Ryan actually tells it right away. I guess there's no better way of putting in it by putting in the time, by doing the work, the need to ask questions, the need to study and reflect, the importance of intellectual humility, and. Now here Ryan quotes Tolstoy. So Tolstoy said, I cannot understand how some people can live without communicating with the wisest people who ever lived on earth. People, now Ryan says there's another line now cliche that people who don't read have no advantage over those who cannot read. And I mean like how Tolstoy was trying to say is that without communicating with wisest people, not everyone has the resources or the connections to actually get to know wisest people. But we got books. I mean, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, that's like thousand, thousand of years old. And that's like one of the best books I've ever read. And I, whenever I read the book, I really felt, I really, I can envision Marcus Aurelius writing that diary, like writing that code in the middle of the night after the day of war which is really interesting. I guess that's um, that's the major reason I took up reading because it just pushes me. It's something I would recommend everyone. Find people you admire and ask how they got where they are. Seek book recommendations. Isn't that what Socrates would do? Add experience and experimentation on top of this. Put yourself in tough situations. Accept challenges. Familiarize yourself with the unfamiliar. The wiser still because they have seen it all. They have they know what to expect because they have been through so much. They have made mistakes and learned from them. And so must you. And that's really interesting. Like people say that books, the purpose of the books is actually to not do, like to learn from them. It is really like that's true. Like everyone reads to learn. But there's no use of reading if you don't actually implement it. You know, you can you can read thousands of books, but if you're not actually implementing that knowledge, it's not worth it. Right. And um, remember, Socrates looked honestly at what he didn't know. That's hard. It's painful to have our illusions punctured. It's humbling to learn that we are not as smart as we thought we were. I guess this really like, again, touching the point what I, um, I remember Jordan Peterson talk about on the podcast. OK, so I guess that's where we're going to end our fourth episode and I uh, hope you guys liked it and uh, take care guys stay safe I'll see you in the next episode bye